So right after Mary visits Elizabeth, she just breaks out in song. And somebody after Heather's own heart. (laughs) Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. And I just want to look at the first, first little section here for a minute. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46, which is right after that reading. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. All right. I have read that I don't know how many times. Uh, Just all these advents, always coming back to these stories. Read that I don't know how many times. And for the first time, it struck me as I was going through it. It is her soul that magnifies and her spirit that rejoices. And here's why that is significant. This is coming from inside and welling up out. What has happened to her has caused this immense joy, this immense celebration, this immense desire to magnify or lift up, praise, honor God. But it is something not a, okay, you can be honest, sometimes when we start singing praise songs, you're not quite in the mood to be doing this, but you kind of do it anyway. Now, sometimes by the end, you're feeling better, but like you're kind of, this says, there's nothing forced in this. She is just overwhelmed, and there's all this joy flooding out of her. Right? Here's the image I get for Mary. When I think of unbridled joy, I think of my dumb dog. That dog is so happy to see everybody all the time. It's like she has won the lottery every time she sees you. And she's so excited. That tail, I mean, she is knocking tables and children over and, because it's just going all over the place. And it happens like I can walk out of a room and then come back and she does it again like I've been gone. Like I just went around the corner and she's like, oh, you're back again. I'm so excited. But just all this, like, she's so excited. That, like, uncontrolled, ha, kind of thing. That, that, there's something going on in Mary. Here's my question. Where does that kind of joy come from? Hey, we're talking about the kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, I think there should be joy. Where does that kind of joy come from? come from? Because I want to give you a different dog story to tell you how I feel like life is quite often. On Thanksgiving of this year in Los Angeles, a two-year-old German shepherd got out, picked up the dog, brought the dog to a shelter. The shelter people described the dog as not being all excited like my dog, but kind of being down until her owners showed up. Her owners showed up at the shelter. They come in, and there's this video of the dog doing what my dog does all the time. I mean, the dog is just so excited, and the tail is going crazy, and she's, they come over to the fence, and they play with the dog, and, and then they walk away to go look for a different dog. 
and they left their dog at the shelter. And the reason they left their dog at the shelter is because the dog's dad dog died, and this dog has been sad and crying and won't stop whimpering, and so they were tired of it. And so they left her at the shelter and got, tried to get another dog. Now that's what I feel like life is most of the time. Like it should be really good and exciting, but then it changes and it's worse than I ever thought it was going to be. How are you supposed to truly have that kind of joy in life? I think Mary, as this little girl that she is, she has really thought deeply about the gift that God has given to her in such a way that it has changed her. It has changed her and her view of the kingdom and her view of God. It has really made a dramatic change in her because of the way she's seeing the gift. Let me show you what I mean. Open up your Bibles if you haven't or if you've closed them or if you have one. Luke chapter 1. Why is Mary magnifying and rejoicing? Why is this welling up in her? Verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Now, we're going to stop right there. And in Greek, there's actually a period right there. All right, we're going to stop right there, and then we'll move on in a minute. Because those three lines, for he has looked, for behold, and for he who is mighty, they're all describing something that Mary has gotten that I'm not sure. And it's interesting that this, you know, right around Christmas, as we're all going to be receiving gifts and presents and all kinds of things, that Mary has thought more deeply about what God did for her than I think I usually do about presence or about what God does for me. Mary is not just thinking about the gift itself. She's thinking about the fact that God would even give the gift. Mary says, he looked on my humble estate. I, I don't even know why he would do this. Like, I, I got the gift, okay? And, and just imagine for a moment, I know that we're talking about the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. But for a moment, just pretend it's a present, okay? She's been given a present, and even before she's like going, this is so awesome, this is all for me, she's going, wow, you would even give this to me. Like, I'm, I'm blown away. I look at who I am, and, and you've looked on me, you've noticed me. Right? And if you go back to what the angel, when the angel first comes to her, what we talked about last week, and Mary is kind of like, I think I'm in trouble, basically. Like, I, I'm, I'm afraid, and I don't know what's going on. And, and here she's going, you, you noticed me. And then, for behold, and that's a way of just going, we would never use that again, much like last week we talked about that word. Nobody goes, behold, I am here. I mean, that would be weird. But it's kind of a notice, like, stand up, listen to this. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Like, I had nothing I had nothing to offer. I had nothing to give. Um, I, I live in Nazareth, and I'm like 13 years old, and, and now, because of what you've done, 
again, because of what you've done, she's seeing how big this gift is. She's seeing the layers of it. Because of what you've done, they're going to call me blessed. I'm amazed by this, is what she's saying. And finally, the opposite side of the first line, for he who is mighty, you are the mighty one. I'm the humble one. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Why is Mary so overjoyed? Because it's not just the gift. It's everything about the gift. It's the giver. It's her own position. It's all of these things where she's going, this is so amazing. Like, I can't even believe how blessed I am for this. I, I was, so my birthday actually is tomorrow, and, and I'm going to be gone. I, have to, I, t- I catch a plane tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the morning, so I have to leave my house at 3 o'clock to go to the airport. And, and so my daughter gave me my birthday present on Friday, and she got me two things. One, she got me a set of wine glasses. My daughter's 10. I might have a drinking problem. But, but she got the set of wine glasses because she had accidentally broken my favorite wine glass. And she remembered that, and she got me wine glasses for my birthday. And then she got me this. And unfortunately, only the people in the front row are going to be able to see it. Um, this is a chalk drawing that my 10-year-old did for me. She came to me about a week ago, and she asked me, I've got all of these church ornaments, Hallmark church ornaments, and she goes, hey, Daddy, what's your favorite ornament? And I didn't help her at all. I'm like, well, I like that one, I like that one, I like that one. She goes, yeah, but what's your favorite one? I have no idea what she's trying to do with this. Like, I don't know, honey. I, I like a bunch of them. You know, I didn't know she was going to draw one of them. She spent hours working on this. And I remember as soon as she gave it to me, I was thinking to myself, I get it now. Because for the last like three, four, five days, my daughter has just been obsessed with drawing this chalk thing. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, come spend time with the family and... She was doing this for me. I think one, and I'm going to show it to Lori later to get a, an expert's uh, evaluation, but I think it's amazing. I, I can't, I mean, she did an amazing job, but it's not just this. As soon as she handed it to me, I've been thinking about this whole Mary thing, and I went, she knows me, she spent all this time She did something that would be very special for me. She put her own effort into it. And like, I'm just welling up inside. I'm just so, like, I'm overjoyed. Um, Even more than the gift itself, the giver. That's what Mary has. The beginning of her joy is not just the gift of God or the work of God in her life, but it is the giver. It is that God would work in her life. It's everything that this work means for her life. Number two, go back into your text, and we'll go back to that that and. And holy is his name, um, which is a way not just of saying that God is distinct and separate, 
but it's also a way of talking about power. Right? And it goes with the next line. It's why I think there's a period there, because this line actually goes with the next line, not with the one before it. Holy is his name, and there is no period there. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Hey, the almighty one who did this mighty thing for me, hey, he is absolutely holy and powerful and, and just stands above all of creation. But his mercy is for every generation where they fear him. This great one, his mercy is for all generations that fear him. And now keep going because here's what's happening. Well, no, let me read it and I'll tell you. Um, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate, which is what she called herself. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. There is something going on with Mary right now that I, all of us need this moment. When the angel came to Mary, I would argue, unlike, sadly, a number of sermons that I read about the passage that talked about Mary not really, she's this innocent little girl who didn't know what was going on and really didn't have much of a background, so when the angel shows up, she's afraid because of that. This song tells you how much of the Old Testament Mary knows. She is well-trained. However, when the angel comes to her, this is my argument. I don't think Mary actually believed that God raises the humble. Oh, he did it in the Old Testament a few times, and it's a, it's a, a religious saying that we have, and, and maybe kind of in a self-help way we'll hold on to it, but it's not real. He doesn't actually do that. That's why she's afraid because when the angel comes to her, even though he has good greetings, even though he's saying, you are favored, like, I'm happy to see you, Mary, and she's going, but I'm a humble one, and there's no way you should be coming to me, and she's afraid, because I don't think her theology is practical and real and everyday. It's a distant kind of thought, the same thing I have in the Old Testament sometimes. I will tell you what I know God is, but I don't always act like that's true. It's as if it's this thing that is kind of there. But you know what happens to Mary when she accepts the gift of God for what it is? All those things she's saying, they're real. The gift of God and Mary's life authenticated the truth of the kingdom. God really is, please hear me, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, God really is this right here. He shows his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He really does show the strength of his arm. He really does scatter the proud, not just at Babel, but he's still doing it. He really does bring the mighty down, not just Pharaoh, not just Assyria, not just Babylon. He's still doing it. And he, has, and he exalts those of humble estate. Mary's going, it's real. God's work in my life, it's, it's real. Um, I read this story this week about, and it was from the perspective of a mom. And the mom, the, the family had adopted a 10-year-old boy 
And the boy had been through a number of different foster homes, and he kept getting sent back. And so had some real issues with trust, as you can imagine. And when they got into the house, she said it took them a very long time because they would tell the boy, like, we love you, and he just, you know, wouldn't acknowledge it. And they gave him a room. They said, this is your room. But he would keep all of his stuff in one little area, and he'd keep it all together. He wouldn't spread out because he didn't believe this was actually his room. He didn't trust it. And there were multiple little things the mom brought out. And then something happened that finally began to change. And it still took a long time. This is, um, it's a happy ending, but it's not like everything went perfect. But the thing that happened is the boy was playing inside the house and he broke one of their lamps. And when he broke it, he immediately went to his room. And they went in there. He was taking what little belongings he has and he was putting them in his backpack and he was weeping. And the mom, and, and I, I don't have her exact words, but she just said, you know, what are you doing? And he said, well, I, you're getting rid of me now. I, I disobeyed, I broke something, I'm gonna have to go back. And that was the changing point where they were able to say to him, no, we love you. This is your home. We don't want you breaking lamps, but that does not change how we feel about you. That does not change what is yours because you're part of this family. And what struck me is the mom said, that began a process in the boy where he started to accept, wow, maybe they do love me. Like if they'll keep me after I did that, maybe they do love me. If they'll keep me after I did that, maybe this is my room. And so on and so forth. Mary is saying, if God will do this with me, if God will take me in my humble estate and do what he's doing, maybe the rest of it is real. It's like a door has been thrown open and she goes, he really does exalt those who are humble. He really does not let the prideful get away. He really does these things. That is what the kingdom of God is like. As we go into the New Testament through spring, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see the way in which Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God into the world, and it's going to look like the description that Mary gives, where the humble are being exalted and the proud are being scattered, where the rich young ruler will come and go away hungry, and yet the prostitute at the well will find eternal life. You're going to see it because that is the kingdom. It's not just platitudes. It's not just religious self-help ideas. It's real. And, and when Mary realizes that, she's overjoyed. Not only is the gift giver doing something in my life, but the things that he says, the way that he is, the way his kingdom is, is real. It's actual. But there's one more thing. Look at the last verse. Because up to this point, it's, it's somewhat, she starts specific, my soul, my spirit, but then she gets generic until this last two verses. He has helped his servant Israel. Very specific. 
in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Here's what happens with Mary. This act of God in her life, it is not a generic act of favor just for Mary's sake. So for example, let's just say you are praying for a job and God provides a job. You can look at that as, okay, I got this gift and I'm going to run with it. I would tell you that Mary at this point would probably look at it differently. She would look at the giver of the gift. She would look at it as part of the fulfillment of what it means to be in the kingdom. And then it would come down and get more personal. Because what Mary sees right now is the gift is actually God working through her in the kingdom. And not because Mary was good or bad or any of these other things, but because God works through his people in his kingdom. And his working is the actual outworking of the kingdom. Not just a generic thing over here. It's not, okay, I got a job, great, boom, I'm moving on with my life. Can I tell you that God gave you that job because he's doing something in his kingdom? And that's part of it. Everything you are doing if you're a follower of Jesus Christ has to do with the kingdom of God. And it's God personally working in your life. But it's not just for you. And that's the issue. Here is Mary going, he's helping Israel. That was part of his plan. And I get to be part of that. And it's in his remembrance and it's in his promises. As we come into Christmas, I have a theory. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I have a theory that people in the church in general, they have a comparison between God and Santa Claus that is far too close. That God looks way too much like Santa. All right, let me give you what I mean. All right, everybody know the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. All right, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. That's awful. That's what we're telling our kids. Okay, don't show any kind of negative emotion whatsoever, even if something goes wrong in your life. No pouting, just lift up and muscle through. What kind of message is that? And then it gets worse. He sees you when you're sleeping. That's creepy. There's an old man in a red suit watching me sleep. He knows when you're awake. Okay, you know Santa Baby, that song? We should rename this one Santa Stalker. This is a really awful song. I mean, if you look at what's behind it, basically the song says this. Santa's going, I've got a list and I'm paying attention to every little thing you do. And if you pout, no present for you. You do anything wrong, I've got it down. You can't get away from me. I watch you when you're sleeping. I, I, I know your dreams. Right? So you better be absolutely perfect or I'm not working in your life. It's exactly how so many people view God. 
God's got this list, and he's watching all the little things that you do. And every time you screw up, he's marking it down, and he's keeping track of it. And then you start going, well, he wouldn't work in my life. I'm not worth that. I mean, I, I mean, look what I've done. Look at all these things I've done. As if God working in your life for his kingdom has this total dependence on whether you are good enough. Raise your hand if you're good enough. Good. <laughs> a little worried there. I get somebody going, I'm... He died for us while we were still sinners. We're not good enough. But see, Mary has come to a point where she has recognized the gift that God has given to her has shown her. God actually wants to work in my life despite me not being good enough. That everybody in the kingdom is not good enough. And yet God wants to work. God wants to take all these things that he's doing in your life and he wants to move forward in the kingdom. Can I tell you that God works in your life not because of how good you are, but because of how much he loves you. And that doesn't change. And some of you, you don't feel lovable. You need to rip up the Santa Claus list that you're holding on to and recognize that God does not see you that way. Never has, never will. Right? God loves you and wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And every work in your life, you can separate it out as this kind of random thing that God did because I was good enough, or you can scrap that too, and you can move into a view that says, all right, everything God is doing is about his kingdom and about his people. And so when he's working in your life, he's doing something in the kingdom. And you get the privilege of being a part of it. That is worth being joyful over. That the God of the universe is using you, wants to use you, and everything he's doing is so much bigger than even the gift. I want to challenge you at a very practical level right now that has only a little bit to do with God. I want to challenge you this Christmas to look at your presence differently. To recognize that the present you got Hopefully, there was more put into it than just the present. Just think about the thought that a person put into it. Think about what it would mean to take care of whatever it is that you got. Um, you know, for me, it's very obvious with, you know, my daughter's thing because she put a ton of time into it. I mean, it's, um, but I want to challenge you to look at gifts differently. Um, not in such a selfish kind of, ooh, look, I just got something but to make it bigger. Because the more we do in that life, the more we do of that in our life, maybe the more we can see that in God as he works in our life. Mary is joyful because she recognizes that the gift is more than just the gift itself, but the giver. Mary is joyful because when that happens, it opens a door for her, and she realizes that so much more is real about what God is about. And Mary is joyful because she realizes God's using her. She's a part of this kingdom plan in what God is doing in her life. The shelter 
they put the video online, tons of Facebook response, people going, don't ever give that family a dog. How dare they would do this. Um, they named the dog, the shelter did, they called the dog Zuzu from It's a Wonderful Life, the little girl. That's what they named the dog. And there is a private adoption pet agency in Los Angeles that got the story and called them and got the dog. And there's already a line of people that are waiting for this week to come adopt that dog. I think we are very much like that dog. I think this world beats us up. And I think every time we put our hope into something in this world, at some point, it walks up, we get all excited, and then it walks away and chooses somebody else, and we get beat up. But our God is the one who takes care of those who get beat up. Our God is the one. His kingdom is all about the poor in spirit, the humble. It's about us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this season, for this time to reflect on the coming of your Son, the coming of your kingdom, and what that kingdom is like. Lord, I want to pray that everybody leaving here today, we would recognize your great love for us, despite us, that we would recognize the amazing joy and privilege we have to be a part of your kingdom and that you're actively working in our lives right now towards that goal. Lord, help us to see that and to embrace it and to find joy in it. In Jesus' holy name we ask, amen.